doing in part four of our at the core study in signs and wonder we signs and wonders we've been going through most of you will see on the on the floor next to you at the end of your um, aisles the core values and behaviors um, pamphlet if you haven't gotten one over the last three weeks feel free to grab one right now and today we're going to be going through the signs and wonders so feel free to open that right up to signs and wonders fold that back have it ready We're going to be looking at that today. But before we dive into that, um, Zach, if you could pop up that next slide up there. I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to partner up with the person next to you, preferably not the person you came with because they already know a lot about you. So if you're sitting in a row by yourself, hurry and get to somebody else, get with a partner. And I want you to answer um, this question here on the board. Do you believe signs and wonders are for today? Why or why not? I'm going to give you about two minutes. And then I want you, if you do believe, to share a sign or wonder that you have personally experienced or witnessed. So you only have about two minutes. I'm going to be watching the clock. Okay. Okay, you have about 30 seconds. I see a few of you not talking. Okay, start to make your way back to your seats. If you've moved... All right, bring it back in. I can tell some of you are deep in conversation. Okay, taking back control. Good luck, right? All right. Well, I hope that that encouraged you about signs and wonders. It's always fun to talk about the miraculous things that God has done. But that still may have left some questions in your mind about whether signs and wonders are for today. Does God still move in signs and wonders? As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about even some of the things that I have seen and witnessed in my own life. Um, you know, there was a time where I was in a meeting and I saw a woman, it was in a church meeting, in a, in a prayer and worship meeting, 
And I watched as a woman who had been diagnosed, well, she had no diagnosis on her life. She had a disabilitating disease that had rendered her unable to walk for years. And it was an undiagnosable disease. And the Lord healed her, and she got up, and she started walking and leaping and praising God. It was miraculous. But the thing that that will make it so I never forget that story, other than the fact that she got up and started walking and leaping and praising God, she ran all over, um, was the fact that I was preparing. It was a Saturday night, and I was preparing that next day to speak on Acts 3, where Peter and John went out and met the lame man, and, and the Lord healed him. And that night when I went into the service, so I had prepared all week, probably a couple weeks, to preach that sermon about the man who was healed, who had been lame, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. But when I had gone into that service that night, I sat down, and when I sat down, I looked up, and here on the wall was this mural of that same scripture. It was just like, you just couldn't miss the obvious. It was incredible. Sometimes those things, sometimes God just really wants to make a point. I remember there was a time um, where I was ministering with a friend of mine and um, in another church service. And this demonized man, this man who had been possessed by a demon, was a couple rows back. And as my friend was, was walking the rows and preaching the word of God, um, the, the spirit of God on her, as she was walking and just preaching the word of God, the demon in the man could hold on no longer. And he began to manifest. And within minutes, that man was set free just by the presence of God. It was amazing. It was miraculous. The power of God. The presence of the Lord Jesus. This year alone, I've witnessed three miraculous births. births, Three miracle babies being born. This year alone. I believe that God is birthing a new move in his church today. Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and yes forever. It is not a question of whether signs and wonders are for today. It is a statement that God never changes. This becomes our benchmark, our foundation, as we prioritize signs and wonders as one of our core values values within South Everett Foursquare as a body of believers. This is what our core value says. Read along with me. Next slide. Ah, we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be the presence of Jesus in our communities. We are commissioned to the word of God 
given access to God through prayer and granted freedom to use our time, talents, and material resources for the good of others unto God's glory. We believe the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available today to heal families, break addictions, and restore new life and new hope. Amen. Perhaps it would be helpful to define and demystify the term signs and wonders. The Holman Dictionary describes wonders as God's supernatural activity and power, causing a person to be in awe and to marvel. It describes signs as something that points people to God, something that may be a natural object of daily activity or an unexpected divine activity, the, something that seeks to bring belief, but it doesn't compel people to believe. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Right? Does that sound familiar? Through signs and wonders, Jesus brought an awareness of the kingdom of God. Jesus lived a life demonstrating signs and wonders, right? Jesus was on a mercy and grace mission, motivated by love, to heal brokenness in the hearts of mankind as a result of sin and the grip of death on this world. Jesus said in John 12:30, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. Satan may be the prince of the earth, but Jesus said, now the ruler of this world shall be cast out. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 See, miracles proclaim the transference of dominion from the kingdom of evil back to the kingdom of God. The kingdom. Jesus testified of the kingdom by both by word in teaching, by his authority, and through deed, through what he did. He testified by his mouth and by what he did. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, this is what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He preached, he proclaimed, and then he recovered sight to the blind and he set free the oppressed. Jesus was in the 
in the synagogue when he said these words, when he was reading this scripture, right? And while he was in the synagogue that same day, at that same time, he then cast out a demon within the synagogue from a man suffering from, a, from demonic possession. From there, he went, to, went and healed Simon, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who had a fever. And from there into the, into the area, he went and he healed all who were sick and possessed of demons within that region, within that, right within that area. said the demons came out declaring, you are the son of God. Jesus didn't hesitate to speak the truth, nor did he hesitate to reach out his hand and heal. He did not hold back. He did not hold back. I'm going to pause there for a minute, and I want you to think. How many times in our minds do we think that maybe Jesus is holding out on us? Do we get tripped up on that? He demonstrated the kingdom of God and he he taught his disciples how to walk in that and how to walk in fellowship. And faith. Jesus trained and commissioned his disciples to do the same thing. They were ambassadors and missionaries of his kingdom. In Luke 10, 1 through 2, we see... Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them in pairs ahead of him, 70 other people. He had sent out his disciples. Now he's sending out 70 others, and he sent them out in pairs ahead of him to every city and every place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And he would send them out, and he said, and heal those who are sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. So as they went out and they healed the sick, they were to say, the kingdom of God has come near you. So he was tying to them, tying to people, the healing and the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like wellness and wholeness. It doesn't look like sickness. It doesn't look like a disturbed mind. It doesn't look like demon possession. It doesn't look like broken families. It doesn't look like impoverished areas. The kingdom of God looks like wholeness. It looks like peace. So when you go out and you heal someone, make sure they know the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God has come near you. And that's how he trained up his disciples. 
in verses 17 through 21. He goes on to say, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will give and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to the infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. The disciples came back. Whoa, did you see what they just did? Did you see what just happened when we prayed? Even the demons shrieked and came out. They understood the authority they had in the name of Jesus. And Christ declared, yeah, I was watching as Satan was falling. It was incredible. He said, but there's more to rejoice in than just that. The thing that really needs to be rejoiced in is that your name is written in the book. That you are a part of the kingdom. That's the greatest thing. To understand who Christ is, his gospel message, and his kingdom, the kingdom of God, it must be represented not just in word, not just in good deeds, but through signs and wonders. As for us, James says, faith without works is dead. Faith and works must remain inseparable in partnership with one another as a testimony to who Jesus is. Because Jesus never changes. And because Jesus never changes, we can expect to walk in signs and wonders. Just as Jesus was the image of the invisible God, as his spirit-filled followers, we are the face and the reality of Jesus in this world, lacking nothing to carry out his will and purpose. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For he is the complete fullness of deity, living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. See, this is how God verifies our testimony of Jesus. 
This is the good news in Hebrews 1, 3. The good news is that the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mere image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. The verifications is through signs and wonders. The Lord himself, do we have the next one? says, the Lord himself was the first to announce these things. Jesus was the first to announce this. He was the first to testify of it. And those who heard him firsthand confirmed their accuracy. The disciples, those he walked amongst. Then God added his witness to theirs. He validated their ministry with signs, astonishing wonders, and all kinds of powerful miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desired. Remember John 10? They healed and said, the kingdom of God has come near you. We are empowered by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we are given gifts of the Holy Spirit to share the love and the compassion of Jesus as we proclaim the good news of his salvation. That is why scriptures tell us to pursue love and yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. These gifts need to be sought after and used so that people will know the reality of Christ and his saving grace. Now, that's a lot of scripture, right? I just spit out a lot of scripture at you. I'm pretty known to do that. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, Mr. Tyrone, he's really good at putting it on the streets. Really good at that. Because the rubber has to meet the road. That means that that scripture has to meet the road. We have to take that message. We have to take what we know. We need to take the power of that Holy Spirit and we have to put it to work. That scripture out here somewhere doesn't do us a whole lot of good. We need to know that we can reach out to people everywhere we go. Because the fullness of Jesus lives in us by the power of his spirit. That we lack nothing. That just as Jesus was, I walk the same. Yeah, I'm, well, there's a lot more garbage in me. Okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect like Jesus was. You too, Carol, right? But I am being made perfect. But Jesus perfect is inside of me. And I'm just that vessel 
I'm just that vessel. Right, Dad? And as I allow the Holy Spirit to move through me with those gifts by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then that world can be touched. This is why the disciples were to stay in the city until they were clothed with power on high. Jesus said, stay in the city and wait until the power, till you're clothed with that power from on high. Because I'm sending you to be my disciples into all the world, to make disciples of all the world. But you've got to wait in the city until the power clothes you. Because you just can't, I just can't go out as Chris. That won't work. In and of myself, no matter how much I know, which, yeah, no matter how much I know, no matter how much talent I might be able to muster up, It's not enough. But let me tell you what is enough. The power of the Holy Spirit in an earthen vessel is enough. To raise the dead. To set the captives free. To to give sight to blind eyes. To heal. To deliver. To do anything that God wants to do. It's enough. In me, in you, in any vessel that God would so choose, that would submit themselves, it's enough. You know, this was the foundation of the early church in Acts. It was the the way the church worked. It says that they were all in one mind, continually devoted devoting themselves to one another. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit came. Then Peter spoke, and 3,000 were saved. Then they were continually devoted to the teaching and to the fellowship, to praying together, to eating bread together, and probably other good things. Then signs and wonders began to happen. Well, more signs and wonders And they shared everything they had in common. That was the foundation of the church. My next slide says, Yet we cannot help feeling disturbed as we are as well as moved, for this surely is the church as it was meant to be. It is vigorous and flexible, for these are the days before it ever became fat and short of breath through prosperity, or muscle-bound by over-organization. These men did not make acts of faith, they believed. They did not say their prayers, they prayed. They did not hold conferences on psychosomatic medicine, they simply healed the sick. But if they were uncomplicated and naive by modern standards, we have ruefully to admit that they were open on the God-word side in a way that is almost unknown today. This is my challenge. Think about this this week. Read through the book of Acts this next week and find those places that challenge you 
Find those places that challenge you. Ask the tough questions. Where do I get hooked up in believing that this could happen today, now, with me, in my neighborhood? Ask those questions. Are we open on the God word side? See, we're grappling with the tension and the challenges of seeing signs and wonders manifested in our very own lives. What is standing in the way? Our biblical worldviews can become blunted with the concepts of Western worldviews. Things such as rationalism, our own human reasoning, things of secularism, having to gain a bunch of knowledge, denying God, materialism, placing no value on the supernatural, Believing in what only you can see or prove. Or self-reliance. Needing to be in control. Human-centered universe. But Jesus addressed those things in the Bible. He challenged people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He said, having the Bible knowledge here is not enough. Even all their knowledge in the head, no matter how much knowledge you can gather, that's not enough. To know Jesus is to know him in your heart. And then the heads and the hands will follow. He even challenged those who could do supernatural works, but didn't have a right heart with him. You know there are those out there who can do works of supernatural, supernatural works, signs and wonders but don't know Jesus. See, signs and wonders won't save anybody. It's the power of the gospel unto salvation. Power of the gospel is what saves people. It's all about the heart. It's all about the relationship. And Jesus knew that. He and his father were one. So I've had my own struggles with feeling the necessity to acquire more knowledge and more knowledge in order to be credible. Even growing up in church, church can be, in my generation, church can be... um, the church I attended, um, did not teach so much on the things of the Spirit. They taught Bible knowledge very well, um, but they didn't teach how to listen to the Holy Spirit. They didn't teach how to, how to move in the Spirit. Everything was from Bible. That's probably why I get up here and spit a lot of Scripture. <laughs> um, but... But learning to listen and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But when we think about how Jesus trained his disciples. And when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the account of Jesus. We don't see him quoting scripture after scripture after scripture. We see him listening. We see him training his disciples to walk in faith. He taught 
by experience. He let them do the things he did. And when they messed up, he said, well, ye have little faith. Do it again. He gave them things like five loaves and two fishes and said, feed the 5,000. And then he showed them how. He didn't hand them the scrolls of scripture and say, okay, find where it's written. Proclaim this to the people. See, Colossians 2.8 warns us, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgment based on the mindset of this world and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. It's easy to get caught up and blunted in our biblical worldview with with the world's point of view, reasoning with logic and with rationalism, with materialism. And not keep the point of view that Jesus had and carried out through the scriptures. Remember that God never changes. In him there is no variation, no shifting of shadow. This is where we can get tossed back and forth in doubt. We can depend on God. When Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side, it was his intent to get in the boat. And go to the other side. See, disbelief can get us hung up too. His intent is his promise. When he sends his disciples out and says, go out, make disciples of all the nations and heal the sick. He didn't send his disciples to do something they couldn't do in his name. His intent was his promise. to get them to the other side. Another hookup we often get caught on is disappointments and discouragements. But we can't let disappointment and discouragements create our doctrine. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but when we've reached out to pray for someone and they're not healed, or when we've, we've stepped out in faith and one one area and we haven't gotten the answer we're looking for, we can become discouraged or disappointed. But we can't let that create our doctrine. Just like when, when we've shared our faith and someone hasn't come to faith, someone hasn't accepted Jesus, doesn't mean that we stop sharing our faith. We continue to share our faith, just like we continue to pray for the sick. Disappointments and discouragements cannot create our doctrine. Only the word of God can create our doctrine. Isaiah 50, verse 7 says, For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. 
I want to show you this quick video before we close. This is, hold on just a quick second, Zach, while you're getting that ready before you push the go button. This is um, a part of our heritage. Amy Semple McPherson. McPherson. um, Is a founder of our four square denomination. And this video is just jumping right in the middle, but I want you to get a feel for some of our heritage. She has... um, this jumps kind of right in the middle. She had just had her house built, um, but the, it was just as she was beginning her ministry in the Los Angeles area, and um, people had begged her to come to the area and to settle into the area. And they had done so in such a way that they said, we will even build you a house. And so there were so many people that had offered to build her a house that they... Um, one by one, they had come together and said, we, you know, in a, one service, during one service, people committed to building all different parts of her house. And uh, within one service, they had the full commitment to build her house. And so um, they built her house. And as soon as her house was finished, she began looking for land to build the church um, because she felt the Lord say, now build, build the church. And so... Um, She had the money to build the church, and this is where the video jumps in at. And so I'm going to let you watch this video, and then we'll close up our service here just shortly following that. And it still is today. And she started it in 1921. And so she began to uh, raise money for it, and she had $5,000 for it. Well, $5,000 in 1921 was a lot of money. So she took that $5,000 to her building contractor and said, what will this build me? And he said, well, that'll dig the hole, meaning that'll start the foundation. And she said to him, you dig the hole and God will fill it up. And I tell you, you don't know how that statement has blessed me so much because she, she dug that hole in 1921. And in 1923, that building was completely finished, paid for, and she owned the building outright. And how, how admirable it was and what faith it was for her to say, you dig the hole and God will fill it up. You know, ever since then, I've seen this. My job is to just dig holes so God can fill them up. Just do what God tells you to do. You don't have to have all the resources. You don't have to even know how everything's going to fall into place. But all she did was took the first step that she could, and that was she she had the hole dug. And when she dug the hole, God filled it up. And so know this, faith is a hole digger. It'll dig holes. Now, I, I know this. There have been times that I've started a project, and uh, it looks like it didn't make good sense to do that, but God told us to do it. And when God told us to do that, and we said, you know what, we're going to dig a hole and let God fill it up. When you're digging that hole, the devil may tell you you're digging your grave, but I want you to know you're digging your foundation. And God has something more for you. If you'll just have faith enough to dig the hole, he has supply enough to fill it up. And that's what we see demonstrated with Sister Amy, that she had faith enough to dig the hole and God filled it up. so when that building was completed in 1923, there was a great revival on there, of course, with her ministry. For six months solid, she filled that building three times a day. 
5,400 people and thousands more standing outside trying to get in. They could not get into the building. It was so packed. And so you can understand that there was a revival that was unmatched going on. And that revival there in that building continued for not just six months, but on and on and on. During the time, she also went down to San Diego. And in Balboa Park, she conducted a three-day crusade. They had a big uh, uh, arena there where she met and held this crusade. And there came so many people that she had to put restrictions on who, who could come. It was meant to be a healing crusade. And so she said to get into this crusade, you have to be sick or you had to be accompanying someone who is sick, someone who's unable to come on their own so that they could, the, the sick one could get in and the person attending to them. And she filled it up 30,000 people for three days in a row of nothing but sick people that she ministered to. She didn't line them up in one single line many times as we do today and go right down the line. She took them one at a time and she ministered to them. So the first day of that crusade down in Balboa Park, uh, she was staying in the hotel nearby the park and the police came and knocked on her hotel door. The crusade was scheduled to begin around 10 o'clock that morning and the police came and it was about 6 or 7 o'clock that morning and they said the entire area around that arena is so packed with cars and people, it's blocking traffic, you've got to come down and do something. So she ended up starting that crusade around 7 or 8 o'clock that morning because the people had already gathered, they were so packed into there and they were just trying to relieve the, 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 the crowds that had gathered that day. And she, the, the people were packed so tightly into there that the policeman had to lift her overhead and pass her through the crowd to even get her to the platform. And she stood there all day long, one by one, ministering to the sick, laying hands on each one. And there were several times that she was, she had, she was uh, on the verge of passing out from sheer exhaustion. Uh, and they said at different times during the day, she would take off her shoes and pour the water out of the shoes. She was sweating so much, uh, having stood out in that sun for, for hour after hour, ministering to the people one, one by one. At the end of three days, they backed up these uh, huge trucks and they hauled off in trucks all the wheelchairs, the crutches, the stretchers. It took truckloads of people just to get all of the, the paraphernalia that the sick people had left behind because now they were healed. So you can understand her ministry had a tremendous impact. And so this continued for the whole life of... That's incredible, huh? Yeah. I hope that stirs in you just um, desire to see beyond just the teaching of solid word all day today. I wanted to stir in you the passion of knowing that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ lives in you just as he walked on the earth. He sits in heaven today enthroned next to the Father. And you are seated in heavenly places next to him, but he lives also in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what was done even in the, in, uh, the life of a Sister Amy can be done today. I'm not, I'm not 
um, saying, let's build a church building. I'm not even saying that, hey, I'm on the other side of this and I'm trying to pull you into it. I'm saying, let's link arms. Let's believe for greater things. Let's start dreaming those dreams that God has put inside of us to see great and mighty works of God because he has empowered us to do those things because we live in a time and a place where people are hurting that need to know that the kingdom of God has come near. Right? Right? The kingdom of God has come near. And we need to see that here on the earth. We are the Jesus walking on the earth. The spirit of God lives within us. And if people don't see it within us, where are they going to see it? Let's dig the hole and let God fill it. Faith digs the hole and God will fill it. We do that by knowing Jesus. Not here, but here. Just like Jesus trained the disciples to do. We're doing that now through our missional communities. Committing ourselves to pray. To seek God. So we can do just what God tells us to do. That's why we're seeking God in prayer. So join a missional community. Join us in prayer. Join us seeking God to know him and to hear what he's saying to do. What does that hole look like? What are you going to fill it up with, God? John Wimber said, risk. Faith is spelled risk. R-I-S-K. Little risks, little reward. Great risks, great reward. If I could get that last slide, Zach. 13. We often miss the miraculous because we are inattentive or or aren't anticipating what God would choose to do. We can choose to process life through the lens of our own rationale, knowledge, and reason, leading to places of doubt or disillusionment, Or we can surrender our hearts, our hands, our heads to what only Christ and his spirit can accomplish in and through us. Jesus Christ is truly the same yesterday, today, and forever. As his missionaries, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be the presence of Jesus in our communities. We are commissioned with the word of God, given access to God through prayer and granted freedom to use our time, talents, and material resources for the good of others in this neighborhood and around the world, in our homes, in our places of work, with the people sitting right next to you, on the bus, wherever you find yourself. We are commissioned. Let us boldly move out in the same power that raised Jesus from the grave to heal families break addictions, and restore new life and new hope in his almighty name. Praise God. Amen. Let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for your true word. I ask, Lord, that you would seal this word with your spirit. Father, I ask that you would stir up our faith. 
stir up our faith. I ask for dreams and visions of whatever you would do in this place. Be with your people as you send them out today. May they go with the testimony of your word, verified in signs and wonders, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.